Praise God. I'm glad that you're here. Are you glad you're here? Good morning. And I'm glad the Holy Spirit is. Praise the Lord. He's so he's so good at what he does. And uh, he's had some pretty interesting assignments and he has pulled them all off. And he will he'll he'll uh, he'll pull this off too. the preparation for Jesus return. And uh, he's got a he's got he's got a lot on his hands. He's got a huge promise that he made himself inspired Paul to write in Philippians, the first chapter in the sixth verse. It says, I'm confident of this very thing that he that began a good work in you shall perform it under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ or under the day of the Lord Jesus. And that's that's all of us. Does anybody have some uh, some projects in your life? Like you are a project. (laughs) Praise God. And uh, he's on task. He's on task. He's working some stuff out. Praise the name of the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just thank God that he's working in us. Amen. Oh, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for every revelation we've ever had of you. Any revelation we've had of truth that has led us to the one who is truth. Thank you. You've been so good to us, so merciful to us. Thank you. Thank you for having us be alive in this time. Are you glad you're alive in this time? Thank you for grace, deposits, and help that is laid up by the builder of the church. Who's a wise builder. He didn't start this building and then not have enough equipment or wisdom to finish it. We thank you for the special help that is right here in the end. For all of us. Praise God. And we access that grace by faith. Hallelujah. Grace that enables us to stand. Hallelujah. And we won't fall. We'll stand in this hour. Don't don't you know we will. I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, falling off the rail or backsliding. I'm talking about standing complete in full in all the will of God. Uh, our our personal lives, what we put our hand to in ministry. Let's thank him again. He's working. He's 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 working things in us, working things out of us. Amen. Do you have a verse? Oh, you're sitting there with your Bible open, and we haven't even said to open our Bibles. I thought, oh, he's got something hot off the press. I I was looking something up though. Uh, Brenda mentioned something, I think, in the first ser- the first session, and it is from uh, Proverbs 29. And we'll just start on this. Then we're, we're going to... Do you guys like to pray? I know, I know. It's so good. I can tell. You guys like to pray. So, uh, Proverbs 29. And uh, thank you, David. That just helps. And uh, that's good. 
Proverbs 29. In verse 2, it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And uh, there's two ways that we look at this. The most, the most ready way that comes to the mind is uh, when, when righteous people are in the chairs of authority, the positions of authority. Uh, the people rejoice. And, and that is true. That, that is true. Uh, but um, when she was saying it the other night, I was reminded of a way that the Holy Spirit um, really provoked and prompted me was that when the righteous people are actually using their authority. Because you can have righteous people in authority, but if the righteous people of the land aren't using their authority, the land, the land will still go to pot because what keeps a country is not the politicians. It's the salt. We are the preservative. We are the light. And so, uh, you have to have, you have to have salt that hasn't lost its savor. That's really working into a country. So even in that first session, I, I know that, uh, part of what we'll be praying for is, is church. Last night we ended with, uh, singing glory, glory. Well, when we were praying, I saw glory. I don't know. Did anyone just see the glory of God? And we were praying in the Holy ghost, uh, concerning God's mind, God's view of this country I'm talking about. And when, when God sees countries, he sees people, he sees people. So when we were singing, um, glory, glory, hallelujah, uh, I saw, I saw, well, actually before, when we were even just praying, I saw glory um, on the country. Amen. Amen. And I wasn't trying to see it. It came up out of my spirit and I saw glory. But uh, then as we were singing, um, uh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Um, you know, that's, that is, um, that's an American song. I don't even, they don't really sing it other places unless they've come here and decide they like the song, but it's kind of our song. And, uh, but I didn't see, I, I didn't see anything but his glory. That's all he showed me was his glory. This country has its own kind of glory. I know from watching the Olympics with other people from other countries <laughs> and you have to be secretly happy. Now, I'm really not even secretly happy. I'm just overtly and glad, you know. You know, we just clean sweep everything. It's just like, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, people get mad. Even in, in school, my children, and this has been ever since. My girls have never lived in America. They, but they had to endure the Olympics in every place we've been. And people get mad at, at you just being American. It's not happy. Our glory is, uh, is, is, uh, fastidious. It's provoking and aggravating and they roll their eyes 
sight. You're not even glad. But, you know, praise the Lord. Oh, well, you know, what can you do? You're just good. But um, that isn't the glory I saw. Not last night. I show you the glory that I saw last night was in John, the first chapter. Because you could win the Olympics and all the Olympians go to hell. And all the people who rooted for them. Everyone in the grandstands and everyone watching the TV. And that isn't glorious. How horrible would it be? How absolutely horrible would it be that a country that has such access, unprecedented access to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, be one of the greatest mission fields still? Very interesting. A lot of people to be born again here. A lot of people. And actually, you go, to the, you go to the world here. The whole world is here. And so, um, John, let me show you the, the, the glory that I saw. I was so happy to see it. I, did, I wasn't trying for it. I didn't even know what I was going to see. But while we were praying, I saw glory on this country. And it wasn't old glory. It wasn't that. There is a, there is a glory of a, a patriotism that we have in this country that is glorious. I've never, I've never seen it anywhere, anywhere else in the world. People talk to us, you know, when you live, when you live there, they'll, they'll talk to you about your country. They don't talk so much, you know, if you're just visiting, but they'll talk to you and ask questions that have provoked them for a long time. So then they'll open up and start asking questions. But one thing that is really unique to Americans, uh, uh, you know, when, uh, and I've asked in, in seminars or in classes, when we're talking about what characterizes different countries, there's different icons or characteristics of different countries, you know. Like if I were to say the Great Wall, uh, if you were to see it in a picture, you'd think China. If you were to see uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, you automatically think Italy. Or if you were to see the Eiffel Tower, you automatically think France. And, and, and so there are different icons that symbolize the country. There are different things of that country there's different food of their that country uh, that symbolize have, have come to symbolize that country generalize that country and so uh what what and and then there's different characteristics of different countries like we think of um you know the the particular and the the rules and all of germany and uh we think of the pomp of of Britain and um, and uh, yeah so there's just different things that characterize uh, different countries and so uh, what what characterizes as far as um, personality of how sometimes the world sees us 
I've I've asked, and and it's been in different countries I've asked when we're doing this. Uh, because I'm, I'm wanting to emphasize, I'm trying to get to what characterizes a citizen of heaven. And of course, the main, the main characteristic of a citizen of heaven, the main characteristic is, um, love. Cause that is the main characteristic. God is love. But then there are other things that characterize a citizen of heaven. What characterizes Americans is, uh, is, um, and, and they all say it and I'll laugh, you know, but I'm thinking, eh. they all say loud and arrogant. Yeah. What's another word for arrogant? Right. Uh, but they'll also say patriotic. They'll say patriotic. And a part of that patriotism is interpreted to them as pride. Well, and it is. And, uh, and, and there are things to be proud about, but that is how they, they view. And so, uh, uh, there are some wonderful, glorious things. I know I, I, in different national events, like, um, in, uh, not in Australia, but in, uh, in Italy, the, the youth there don't hardly even know their national anthem. But it's no wonder because you look at it and you look at the words of it and they're just pathetic. <laughs> it talks about being slave to Rome. Why would you want to sing that? Slave to Rome. Why would a, a youth want to sing that? And so it, it isn't. And they, they don't make a big deal. They don't make a big deal. Um, Singapore made a bit of a deal on, um, on, uh, their national day. They had a big deal in as a big stadium. They make a pretty big deal. It was really the biggest that I'd seen outside of America, Australia, you know, they do flags and stuff and, and cook things on the barbecue and, um, and it and it's and it's fun, but it it's still different. It, there is a patriotism, a pride. But that's not what I saw last night. It wasn't that that I saw as the glory. So I'm just saying there is a national glory. There is. But that is not what saves a country from eternal hell. Are we all on that same page? So while we, while we do hold things valuable and precious and, and we are proud, uh, and my daughters, having never lived in America, they're, they're proud. They defend America. And they sing American songs, you know, even though they're, they're kind of dated and stuff, but they'll sing, I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. They've never lived here. So there is that kind of a pride, but that won't save America. That's not the glory that I saw. So the glory that I saw uh, was from John, the first chapter. And it says here, and we saw his glory in verse 14. We saw his glory. 
And what is that glory? It's the glory as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. That's why in the end, we, I just had in my heart, let's just march with the truth. Let's march with the truth. Because unless a country is full of truth and full of the grace of God, it can't be full of glory. Jesus can't be Lord over a country unless he's Lord over the people of the country. If he's not Lord over the people, he can't be Lord in that country. Do you understand? In the same way that, uh, you know, when we first started, we were talking about the Lordship of Jesus. It's his Lord to you so he can be Lord through you. And unless he lords us, he can't lord through us. If we refuse to be lorded, then we can't, he cannot be glorified through. You understand? Or to the degree that he's lord to us, he's lord through us. Amen? And that's on a personal level. That's on a church level. That's on a family level. But it's also on a national level. And so for him to be glorious in this country truth is really important. And then it just jerked me to, to things that are very clear in first Timothy. And we were there last night, first Timothy, the second chapter, look at that again. And first Timothy, the second chapter, the first verse, Paul said, I exhort that first of all, or that prayers, supplications, intercessions and givings of thanks be made. And what is the very first thing? The very first thing to pray for all men that gives you a perspective to pray about even Kings because the reason why God has set authority in country is on the behalf of the people. And so when you have perspective of God, and, and remember, we're embracing God's perspective. We get over on God's page in everyone, in everything that we pray, because that's praying ground. That's solid ground from which to pray. That isn't praying with patriotism. You cannot have that in the throne. That's a different glory. And it can't glory in his presence. Do you understand that? That's a human glory. And while it's real, and I don't think it's necessarily even wrong. I, I think that there are some things to be proud of. But yet in the throne room, that is a foreign entity. You don't, we don't go there on any merit except the blood of Jesus. What gives us standing in that throne room is who we are in Christ, not who we are in the natural. In any of our natural characteristic, we can have standing in that place because of who we are in Christ. What gives us audience to stand before a holy God that no one had audience before in the Old Testament except the high priest in that one time a year. What gives us free access is the blood of Jesus. So we come boldly. We don't, uh, we don't hold, you know, just like, uh, um, you know, that song that we sing just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. So when we pray 
when we pray even for a country, our country, the country of our of our natural person, we uh, the highest way to pray is as a son of God. Amen. Are you glad that you're a son of God? So the glory I saw last night was this glory that's of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. And it was that kind of glory that was on that great awakening. What made that so amazing and glorified in the country. I mean, it helped the whole country was it was a brand of glory that wasn't human. It wasn't, it wasn't because of anything done by humanity. It was the glory of God. Do you remember that in the Old Testament, when the glory of the Lord would fill the temple, that people could not stand in that kind of glory? In that kind of glory. Well, uh, Jesus stood up in that glory, actually. Because the glory of the Lord wasn't just on him. The glory of the Lord was also in him. And so we in the New Testament can stand in that glory. Because it, it, there is a equilibrium with it on us. But also in us. The Old Testament people. It would come on them and it would crush them. Jesus, because he had equal glory on the inside, was able to stand up in it. Praise God. I believe the body of Christ is getting full of the glory of God where we can actually stand up in the glory of God as sons of God. As sons of God. Jesus did. Hallelujah. So the, the, the uh, first Timothy two says all men. So if we can start this prayer uh, with the perspective of God, the reason there has been any interaction from God Almighty to humanity is because God so loved the world. He loved people that he gave his only begotten son. So we pray everything else. We pray with uh, that the passion for people. His passion, not ours, his love for people. Amen. And that keeps things in perspective. It keeps us remembering the Great Commission. It keeps us remembering God's priority being the souls of men and not just their well-being. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because I'll tell you, uh, the closer we get to, to the end and what's going to sell the Antichrist is he's going to be a good guy. He's going to care about the well-being of the, of uh, you know, just feeding and and uh, helping, benevolence. And um, if if we just go the 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 glory of man route, you could get duped. If it looks nice, if it looks benevolent, if it looks kind, then um, it's good. Not if the person underneath that skin or now clothes is not born again. So I'm just recapping that. There is a glory. I saw it last night. 
And I tell you what, it's like mountain climbing. When you see something, the end result of something, it's like mountain climbing. You, you put your hook in, in that high place that you see, and then God gives us victory upon victory. He commands victories. Let's just start going towards those victories. Amen? Praise God and get victories. Well, to get victories towards what God sees as a glorious country, what does God see as a glorious nation? If America is glorious, is it just with strong economy? Is it just with strong education? Is it just with strong finance, like even wipe out the, the financial deficit? Is that make, does that make us glorious? Not in God's eyes. Not in God's eyes. It makes us glorious in our eyes. It makes us despised in the world. <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, and who cares what, you know. Uh, but God, God's opinion counts. We want to be glorious in his sight. And we want to be usable in the world. So praise the name of the Lord. Uh, so that is why it came to me last night. All these different things just started going over in me. That's why I could just see, see why Paul was moved to pray in the way that he prayed in the epistles, primarily to the church. He prayed for the church. Because when the church is doing what it's supposed to do and marching on with truth, it can fill up uh, an area in a city. It can fill up a city. It can fill up um, an area, geographic area. And uh, when a country is full of truth, then it can, it can, have, it can have glory. And so that's why Paul prayed and prayed without ceasing for churches in cities. He'd pray for the church in Ephesus. He'd pray for the church in Colossia. That they would walk in the truth. John said he had no greater pleasure, no greater joy than that his children walk in the truth. And so there is, uh, there is us coming in agreement or coming on to the page of God of what's important with him in a country to strengthen a country. You have to strengthen the church. I remember when I was in, um, uh, earlier this summer, uh, flew into Colorado and that was the first place I entered. And then I had some meetings there in Colorado hadn't had rain, you know, in a long, long, long time. And, um, it was way, way low in rain and it was real, real dry. And so, and we were doing a meeting up in the mountains and a fire started while we were up in there, up above Denver. And, uh, we started praying then for the rain and also the rain of the presence of God, Hosea, the sixth chapter in the third verse, he comes as rain. And so when you ever pray for rain, it's always with that double whammy thing. You praying for him to come as the rain. And so we started praying there. Then I went on up to uh, up above Colorado Springs where my parents live. They live up above uh, Woodland, uh, Woodland Park. And um, so while we were up there, of course, you know, then the fires broke out in, in uh, Colorado Springs. Did you guys see that here? 
And uh, so it was getting worse and worse and worse, and, and, and it was blowing, and it was coming up towards Woodland Park, and that's, uh, you know, not too far from my parents, and they live out in the wilderness on the side of a mountain, and it was dry. It was so dry. And um, so, you know, uh, of course, we just started praying for the rain. My mom and dad, um, they live out in the wilderness, and we just hollered. Uh, we were on the back porch. We were just hollering for rain. And, um, and then you look inside, remember you, you, you counsel with God. So I was commanding rain to come. I was directing the clouds, (laughs) the weather system, wind come from your treasuries, bring in weather system here. And, um, and then, uh, then I needed to catch my breath because I was really impassioned because we had just gotten through looking at fire on the TV. We were just amazed with the fire. And it's amazing how that can heat up your prayer. Oh, God, send rain. (laughs) But I, you know, we were just calling and calling on God. I had to catch a breath. So then while I was catching a breath, I happened to glance at God. Sometimes we're so busy praying that we're really not praying. We're just shooting our mouth. It sounds pretty good. But anyway, uh, so I, I looked at God and in my heart said, pray for the church. Pray for the churches. Pray for the church in Colorado Springs. Pray for the church in Denver. And we knew of churches and ministries in Colorado Springs and in Denver and all Then I hooked up with the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't passion that was provoked by fire and the problem. It was it was an unction of the Holy One. And I knew that I was praying with the head of the church. And he said, when my church rules in Colorado Springs, I'll hear and I'll work. I'll work with the church. I still remember 9-11. uh, and we were out here in California, like I said last night, and we were wakened in the morning. We're staying in the home of a pastor, wakened in the morning, and they said, uh, "There's the twin towers have just come down, a terrorist thing." Well, we got out of bed. I started praying with the pastors, Tony and I. We were walking and praying, and um, I had a vision, and I saw like regiments of angels in heaven regiments of them like as far as you could see heaps of angels and they were all like wing to wing standing at attention it was impressive to see the hosts of heaven but what wasn't impressive to see is that they were standing at attention so i was saying do something move (laughs) Fly! (laughs) And the Holy Spirit said, each regiment works with the church. And when that church prays, these angels work with that church. And I thought, ah, then it's not telling the angels to move. It's praying for the church because when the church moves, heaven moves. 
what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we bind, what we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. If there's no activity from the church, heaven doesn't have anything. We're going, heaven, move, heaven, move. And heaven is going, you move, you move. Say something. Say something. Move and we'll move with you. I'll never forget that. So we started praying for the churches in Colorado Springs. And um, I'm not and I imagine other people all over were praying. I'm just saying my experience out on the side of a mountain with just two other people, because there he was in the midst of us. And this was his direction. He said, pray for the churches. I'm sure other people were doing that, too. But churches did start banding together. They absolutely forgot their denominational ties. And um, they just started banding together as the church. Heaps of churches just started praying together for the rain. And it started raining. And it rained and it rained and it rained. Praise the name of the Lord. So things can be shifted shifted in a major a climate and climates can change but it's not instigated from heaven it's instigated when the body of christ corresponds with the head of the church and they work in concert with him things change praise the name of the lord so you can just see paul wasn't deaf don't you like that cool english word i like that too uh, he wasn't, Paul wasn't, uh, lacking intelligence or being led by the spirit when, uh, I'd say at least 85, 90% of his direction in prayer was to the church. He was corresponding with God. Here we have, we have, um, first Timothy, the second chapter, uh, uh, you know, where he instructs for all men. And then we also have in, in Romans where he gives this plea. He said, it's my, my heart's desire that all Israel be saved. And so, and we, we can see that prayer, that desire come up in him. Uh, but where we see prayer articulated in scripture, it's for the church. So if something is slumping in a country, you pray for the church. You pray for the church. Is everybody on this page with God? We pray for the church. And we also pray according to what the Holy Spirit gave. We do pray for all men. We do pray for all men. Because God would have all men to be saved. It's not his willing that any it is not his will that any should perish. We do pray for kings and for all that are in authority. But when the church is in authority, when it is acting in authority, everybody is blessed. Praise God. So when we're praying for America, when you're praying for a whole country, what is, a, what is an effective target to pray for? Pray for the church. Pray for the church. I, I, um, still remember praying. It's, it's made such an impression on me, uh, praying for, uh, 
Indonesia with the church in Indonesia. And, um, wow. Wow. You know, they have a, a school there, a, a rhema there. You have to ring a bell to get them to stop praying. And, and that's every day, every day. And that's only that group. They, they just pray. Now that's in a, where a, a real strong Muslim country, it's been a real strong Muslim country, but Christianity is so vibrant there that I'm not talking about the form of government. I'm talking about salvation and miracles and signs and wonders that is reaching the people where, uh, what used to be a stronghold in that country is being disintegrated, not from government, but through salt. Light is being dissem- is disseminating the darkness. And it's just through, through prayer and through the church acting in authority. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, I'd like us to go back to, uh, let's go back to Daniel. Let's stop right now at, at, before we look into to Daniel. Let's stop right now and just pray. Let's pray for the church. Any, any time when there has been serious glory, glory enough that it, gets marked down as a move of God, not a revival, but a move of God that, that gets out of the confines of a church and starts affecting an area, um, where God becomes contagious outside of the church. Um, there is a sense of church rather than just, um, individual churches. There's a sense of the body of Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. And so uh, I still remember, I still remember the, the Jesus people move. Anybody come up in that Jesus people move? I, I remember that. I remember how it affected our town. And I remember uh, all the preacher's kids and uh, preacher's kids in our town uh, getting together and praying. I remember, I remember that there wasn't a sense of diversity. There was a sense of oneness. It was amazing. And there were still diversities. It's just not what we were conscious of. What we were conscious of is what we were in unity about. And that was pretty much him. So um, praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray for the churches. We've got, we've got pastors here. Let's pray for the churches. We've been instructed along that line to pray. Do you remember... Um, also, do you remember in uh, 1979, Brother Hagen started prayer and healing school? And uh, it used to run, you know, together at 2 o'clock. One day, one day he would do healing. Another day he'd do prayer. One day he'd do healing. Mostly healing, but uh, maybe a couple days he would do prayer. But we hadn't been going very long until he had a visitation in the Lord and God's told him that we were behind in the area of praying for our nation. 
And so, uh, so we divided prayer and we divided healing so that we could pray more consistently concerning the affairs of the nation. And uh, in other words, we on purpose started taking authority. Interesting, isn't it? The, in other words, the church started being the church and not just having church. It's a job description. It's something we do. It's not just who we are. It starts with who we are, but that comes with responsibility. And, um, and so these kind of prayers that we pray aren't just once. They are those pick kind of prayers that as you keep using them, they strike it rich. Hallelujah. You know when you've achieved because there is a manifestation of glory. And uh, until then, we just keep praying. So let's start with the church. Let's start there because that's the bulk. And, and then we'll go towards praying for uh, the nation. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, let's just stand up on our feet. Let's take a, a little bit to pray here. We'll see where we get with Daniel. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, now sit down. That was a demonstration. There was a demonstration of praying things by an unction, specific things by an unction, praying by the Holy Spirit in other tongues, praying things in the, in our understanding by an unction, praying in the other tongues by an unction, and then praying the word by an unction. Amen. All of those things are a part of the church doing what it's supposed to do in praying. Praise God. So that was a wonderful demonstration of that because all of those ways of praying is right. But uh, I was thinking about how Paul prayed for the church in these different cities. And, uh, you know, we pray the Ephesian prayers, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. We pray these epistle prayers for ourselves. We pray them for our families. We pray them for maybe our individual church. But it's right to pray for the church in a city. Amen. And I, I know Brother Hagen encouraged um, uh, to pray for other churches other than just yourself. Amen. Because when the whole church is glorified in an area, it has, it has a salt effect for that area. Amen. And it, and it has a, a taking authority in that area. So when the church is strong, not just a, a church or people in a church, it's the same with like a, if a church is strong rather than just a few people in that church. And so it is in a city when churches are strong rather than just a, a few churches. Praise God. This is over on God's page. This is over on God's page. This isn't, this isn't wasted energy. It's connecting with what the Holy Ghost gives unction for. Praise God. And I'll tell you something else too. Um, uh, in this prelude for a move of God, and there is, we're in the prelude for it. God is moving. Uh, but 
he can only move according to how much the church is moving. So when we're having a move of God, it's because the church gets moving more. Uh, a body who has a healthy head and a healthy body but cannot move, what do we call a body that cannot move even though it's paralyzed, isn't it? It's paralysis. And, and so whenever, the, whenever there isn't communication being responded to that the head is sending down, it indicates paralysis. Even though the body part can be healthy, if there's lack of response to communication, then it's, it's paralysis. And so for the body of Christ to be functioning, uh, it's responding to communication from the head. Hallelujah. And so uh, these things were a demonstration right now of just communicating in prayer what the head is saying. And there were different things that were communicated in prayer in different ways. But um, as the body of Christ is able to carry out the, the, the commands of the head, oh, it just starts moving. It just starts moving forward and more moving forward when they're able to actually carry out in an area the commands of the head. The, com the head is commanding. The head is talking. The head is moving. And we see such activity from the first son in his, first, in the, in his own body when he was on the earth. Uh, he said, my father works in John. He said, my father works and so I work. And so the body has to work for the work of the head to be communicated and for him to be manifested. He said that the works of God would be manifest. I must work. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. I like that. Do you know, and there was a portion of that prayer from Ephesians, the third chapter. It said that we may uh, apprehend with all the saints what is the height, the breadth, the length, and the depth of the love of God. There is some things of the love of God that we will never be able to comprehend just individually. It says we're able to comprehend with all the saints. There's some things that you experience in God on a corporate level that you just don't have enough sides to comprehend by yourself. And I believe in, in the private closet in my own personal relationship with the Lord. But what the church means is ecclesia or called, not called only out, but called together. God believes and ordained the church. We're to meet together. Amen. And there's things that happen and are reserved for times together. But in this prelude for revival, uh, he said, it, he's put in my heart some things about music. But also, he said, you can tell where you are in the prelude uh, of a move of God when men pray. Mm. You can tell where you are in the very first part of a prelude for a move of God. Uh, you'll find uh, women praying in the beginning. Uh, Eve helped man fall. 
Sorry, ladies, we did. Not we, but she. We'll get her. But when the devil wanted her, the serpent came after Adam to fall. Uh, he didn't even talk to Adam. He talked to Eve. And she talked to Adam. He didn't even, he didn't even address. And he was standing right there. And he didn't even talk to him. He talked to Eve. Because in talking to Eve, she became, a, she became an influence to him. And when he fell, she was deceived, but he was not. And it was, a, it was an abdication of a seat of authority that he was given. And he chose it. And so when there is going to be in our garden, in, in our city, or in our region, or in our country, uh, the taking of authority, uh, women will help men get in that seat. I'm all for women praying. I am a woman and I love to pray. But that we, uh, all the women in the world can't take the place of a man praying. There's something magnificent about a man taking dominion. There is nothing more amazing. You see, in the animal kingdom, the lion or the eagle, how, how magnificent is that animal or the stallion? But in the whole creation of all God's creation, there is nothing more magnificent than a man in authority. And it's so interesting to me in living in the different countries of the world and watching the different religions of the world, how active men are in those religions. It's, un, it's just uncanny to me. Every religion has a very active man role. Hinduism. Women are apart, but men are very active. It's an engagement of, of this manhood, uh, dominion or authority and taking authority. And this, these Hindu gods utilize men. Buddhists, you just go to, you, you go to any of those Buddhist country and you're just amazed at the, at the uh, utilization of that religion of men and their active roles, their dominant pub, public roles. I know, because we lived in Singapore and it was amazing to see in the, in the, domestic sector as well as the business sector men's roles in Buddhism how they would pray outside of, uh, of uh, their businesses I'm talking about those high rise things and burn incense you wouldn't notice the women as much they were doing something too it was men I still remember because uh, we had a lady in our school her name was um, I can't remember what her name was, <laughs> but she asked that we, uh, that we come and observe this thing that her husband w did. She's Christian. He's Buddhist. And, uh, on, in Chinese new year, you have to pay heaps of money to have it done. But you know, that lion, you know, they get up in that lion and they do that, those things and, and they, you get, um, you pay for a Buddhist priest to come. To your house. And uh, we just, I was there, I observed it. It was very interesting. 
the man of the house ordered everything. He, he opened the door to the Buddhist priest and that lion to come through and they blessed the house. They go in every single room. They go in, they go in every single room and the priest is, is doing this, but the whole, the, the whole thing is the father orders it. The wife stands back and the man orders it. I was fascinated. It's just one of, it's just what you do. It, it, it so utilizes the man role, that place of authority. Buddhism, I, I watched it with Buddhism. I watched it with Hinduism. In Nepal, in India, you see it there. It, women are apart, but men have real dominant active roles. They use their, that place of authority towards that religion. Don't you know the devil knows that? It was just so interesting to me how they, they just come in parade. I watched it. It was so funny. I have to tell you this. I'm watching the time. Uh, you know, we, when we were in Singapore, uh, the school uh, was held in an, uh, an amazing, a beautiful Methodist church, a large Methodist church. You walk down the street to go to our office. Um, the office you go had to walk two. You could just walk two blocks, so we would just walk rather than drive. And uh, uh, to get to the office, you passed you passed um, a boys' brigade, which was a, a Christian activity thing. Uh, but you also passed a, a large Muslim mosque, and you passed also a uh, a Buddhist temple. And this particular Buddhist temple, it was a brand of Buddhism. Uh, it was a very significant one. They would have um, conferences there or seminars, special ones, and people would fast for it. And they would have special Buddhist priests that would, uh, a special evangelist come in, as it were. You know, it was a special speaker. But he would fast for days until he would hallucinate. And, um, and he would see visions and... And they had this thing that was like a, it was an ark, it, it was an upside down ark. Uh, it looked like an upside down ark and they carried it in on poles like, you know, like, it was very unusual. We watched this whole process and, uh, and uh, it gets to swaying on its own. And the guys are having to just carry it. They said it's really, really, they can hardly walk under the weight of it. It's not because it's so heavy. It's because of the oppression that it's carrying. So weird. I saw it. This is in first world plus, plus, plus Singapore. Across the street from our office. So interesting. And they, they, brought bus, they brought buses from downtown business Singapore. You watch them go into this special meeting on their lunch break, men. It wasn't a men's meeting. It was just Buddhism. But they have an active role. I thought, yeah, it's amazing how uh, the devil utilizes that. But he will fight it in Christianity. He'll fight it. 
When you see whole masses of, of Muslims praying, what do you see? Stadiums of them. Men. You, you, you don't have to travel too often internationally to see them put their rugs out and praying in the middle, in the middle of everything. Absolutely bold about what they believe. Publicly bold about. Why isn't there any attack of the devil to stop men in Islam? It's a use. He uses that authority. Men and women are the glory of men. Men are the glory of God. And the devil never has ever wanted men to be glorious to God. So women, we're helping men. To, we help them fall. We help them stand and be glorious. Amen. I know you guys are having a, a prayer meeting coming up here in October. I tell you guys, I, I, I believe God is stirring up men to pray. Because it is a prelude to a move of God. You think about every single move of God. Uh, I know because I've studied them. And besides, I'm a woman. I, I look for what women do. But every move of God uh, is associated with a man of prayer, with men of prayer. If you go back further, you'll find women on their knees. Are, ladies, are you okay with this? I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm good on it. It's just the way. It's the way of God. Let's get in his way and move with it. But uh, the, women are like kindling. They burn easy. Spiritually, they, they'll, they'll get on fire easy. But uh, they, you, you need them under logs. Logs will burn a long time. They may be hard to get on fire, but once they're on fire, they'll burn. That's good. It's good. And they're significant, and, they, and there's a staying thing there. Are we okay with this? So, I, I, you know what? God's doing something. God's doing something. Let's, let's go with it. Let's just go with it. But uh, every move of God, every move of God, you see, you see minute prayer. Praise the name of the Lord. You can't fabricate it. You can't make it. But I'm telling you, God's having it. And Adam will get back into his chair. His place of authority. And straighten things up in the garden. The reason things went amok in the garden, he just didn't show up to his job. He come back to his job, he gets things set in right. Praise the name of the Lord. Men in this country. Amen. And, 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 and praise the Lord for every woman meeting. Praise the Lord for every women's prayer meeting. Thank God they've... They, uh, if there is anything happening in a country, you can guarantee some women are praying someplace. It just is that way. And that's anywhere in the world. They just, they can carry things. They can carry things. But part of what we're carrying uh, affects, affects the men. Praise the name of the Lord. So that was a, I believe that was 
a, a demonstration, but it's going to get bigger. It's going to get really big. Young men, young men, young women. Hallelujah. I saw, um, we never got to Daniel. We'll get to Daniel tonight. Oh, it's just a fascinating, because there's another assignment that we must take for, uh, with it. We're going to see out of Daniel. But, um, praise the Lord. What was I going to tell you? You don't know. A move of God. Praise the Lord. It'll come back to me. Uh, before we go today, before we go, uh, and this was good to pray. This was really good to pray uh, for the church. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. When we, when we first moved to Australia, um, you know, there's something about that. I don't know why that side of the world is so interesting for the plan of God. You know, uh, Smith Wigglesworth saw it. It was real important in, in Brother Hagen's heart. Uh, something in Australia, New Zealand, Australia, in the islands of the sea, something really significant and, and, and important to the, to the plan of God. And um, we went there. Uh, it fired things in my heart that had been dormant. Uh, I don't know. There's something of the spiritual climate or something God's doing there that activated things that had been in my heart for a long time, but had been dormant on the shelf. It's been really interesting to be there in the area of pr uh, uh, prayer and, and uh, the moving of the Holy Spirit. Well, um, I hadn't been there long. Uh, the Assemblies of God, actually, uh, I, I did a regional, uh, spoke at their regional um, ladies for Queensland for um, their ladies conference. And um, in the afternoon, I had a vision. And I saw, I saw something really interesting of um, young men getting on fire. And they kind of like uh, the burning bush. They didn't, they didn't burn up, but they were consumed until they became translucent. You could see through them. They... Uh, they, there wasn't anything of self in them. It burned everything up. Anything vile or unclean was burned up. They were, they were translucent with holiness. And, uh, and they became like a, a, the, the flame at the end of a flaming arrow. And God shot them at different places. And anywhere they landed, they started fires. This is amazing. But this was at a ladies' meeting. But I saw young men. I saw young men. And so uh, this morning when I woke up, I was thinking of those two young men back there. I thought, I like those guys. I like those guys. I don't even know them. But the hand of God's on those guys. And when I see young men, I think, are you one of the ones that's to burn? Are you supposed to burn? Are you supposed to burn? I believe we are supposed to burn. And I'm for women burning too. I'm, I, I want to burn too, you know. But, but what I saw, what the Lord made me to see was, was, 
was young men on fire. Can we agree with that? Do you know what? I, I just have in my heart, we're, we're to pray. We're to pray for this. Uh, it, there's a, a momentum that will build. And the uh, October is not a destination, but it's just to, to be an amplification of guys coming on board. Not, not just getting saved, but getting on fire. A man on fire is a scary thing. Those men in, in Daniel, the third chapter, that were in the fire... And the only things that on them that burned was what bound them. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, that first, that first, um, uh, you know, that yesterday morning when Brenda was talking, she was talking about that chicken, the chicken that was raised with the, or I mean the eagle that was raised with the chicken and he thought he was a chicken. And, uh, but he, but he wasn't and, but he didn't know that he was not a chicken until the storm came and there's something that act, I've seen it in different places of the world. I've seen, I've seen what happens in Eagle. I'm talking about Christians when storms come, they can be very lethargic and apathetic until storms come. And something just starts happening. We just start being what we are. It's not, it's not just making the storms go away. It's riding above them. Hallelujah. Praise God. It always fascinated me why, uh, why Joseph, God didn't tell Joseph just to make the, the, the famine quit. Why didn't he do that in Egypt? Why didn't he, why didn't he uh, with Joseph, tell Joseph, just command that evil famine to stop? He didn't. He gave Joseph superior wisdom to know what to do, to ride on top. And to, in that place of superior wisdom, a whole nation was gathered and developed and, and became fruitful and multiplied. It's amazing. It isn't the way that we think. We think, God, you missed an opportunity. But he didn't. And there are some things, some storms that aren't quelled. They are the very thing that lifts the church. Because the church is to be the dominant and superior influence in any city and in any nation if we're to be salt and light. And if that nation is going to be preserved, the church has got to take its place. Praise the name of the Lord. So this is nothing about politics. There is no human can fix what needs to be fixed. No party can fix what needs to be fixed. Why? Because it's not a political situation. It's a demonic situation. And the church has the authority. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So this is what we're going to do before we leave today. I'd like you guys uh, get with somebody that's not just with you. Because we've got a mixture of different churches. 
And I'd like you just to pray for one another. These, these pastors can pray with one another. But I'd like you just to pray for one another. Pray for each other's churches. Uh, and also, also uh, when you're with them, be aware of the Holy Ghost to declare blessing over them. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to declare blessing in certain areas of, of their life. Go ahead and stand on your feet and let's, let's give in to this. Hallelujah. Give in to this. Go ahead and get with somebody and bless them. Oh, bregeshe lelede yevresamba.